I'm so excited. This week uh, is the big week for the church. Easter week is always absolutely incredible, and I cannot wait till next Sunday. And uh, we got some things planned that are going to be excellent, so very good. And so uh, we look forward to celebrating the resurrection of Jesus with you, with your family, your friends, your coworkers, your neighbors, your people, even the people you don't know that you invite in Walmart. Even the lady in front of you in the checkout line at Publix. Even if you go to Costco, you can invite them too. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, Cynthia mentioned water baptism. And uh, just to let you know, water baptism is during the second service on Easter Sunday. So that's going to be a big deal. And she did mention there are seven that will be baptized. I'm excited because there's some young people who are getting baptized. And uh, yeah, that's so good, man. And so uh, we got some grandparents going to baptize some grandchildren, man. Though you're talking legacy baptisms right here, y'all. You know what I'm saying? Legacy. And so what I wanted to do this morning before we jump into the message is talk to you and explain what water baptism is so that when we do in the big celebration and everything, you can jump in and celebrate right along with us. But water baptism is this outward picture of what happens in a person's heart whenever they give their life to Jesus. When they go under the water, it's a picture that they are dying to their old selves. And when they come up from out of the water, they're a brand new person, which is very representative of the resurrection of Jesus. So I want to demonstrate this this morning. I need Benjamin to come up here. I need Leanne because they're in the tank on Easter Sunday. And so you guys come up. And Terry, I need you to be our baptized candidate so we can demonstrate. Come on, give them a hand so they don't feel awkward coming up here. They had no clue this was about to happen, but they're such great people that they don't care. They just want to serve the kingdom. And so this is Benjamin. This is Leanne. This is Terry. Terry is going to be our baptism candidate today. Okay. He had no clue this was happening. No clue at all. But I think it's important to show people what is happening. So whenever Easter Sunday occurs, because, yeah, you're in front of a bunch of people. You want to know what you're doing, right? And plus, maybe you're on the fence about being water baptized. You're unsure if this is something you need to do. And maybe your fear is the process. You know what I'm saying? And there's a lot of people who are fearful about being baptized, being in front of people. But we're, we're going to take care of you, okay? We give you a dark-colored shirt. It's a dark shirt, so you don't have to worry about all that stuff, okay? We know. All right. We have a safe ladder with people helping you in and people helping you out because the last thing that we want for you is you to fall. And we have people that can catch you. Say amen. We're trying to take care of this stuff. Okay. So this, this, the person who has given their life to Jesus says they want to go public with their faith through water baptism. So they go to EmergeChurch.com and they click the little link that says sign up for water baptism. Okay. And when they sign up for water baptism this week, there's an email being sent out to all the candidates letting them know this is what time you need to be there. This is what time you need to check in. What is your shirt size? All those different things. And then Sunday morning during Easter service, this is important, it's during service, not after, not before. It's during the Easter service, okay? We will invite all the candidates up. And so Terry would be representative of one of those candidates. So he's standing in a pool of water about this deep right now. You can't see it, but that's really what's happening, okay? So I will be on the, on the stage here announcing the baptism. And Benjamin and Leanne are going to be in the tank. What they do is they put their hand behind your back because the last thing we want to do is lose you in the water, and I share this because this is a concern that people have. Like, what if I go under, you know, and we don't want that. That would not be good for us as a church if that occurs, okay? And so we don't want to lose you, Terry, okay? 
So we put, we put our hand behind your back and then we take your hand and you're going to put your hand under here, under, put this arm out here, put it under there. He's going to use this hand to pinch his own nose. We're not getting in your stuff. We're not touching your nose. You touch your own nose. Okay. Then they take their hands and hold you. And we make the announcement, Terry, because you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to be obedient to his command to be water baptized, today we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and in Jesus' name. And then they lean him back all the way under the water, and then he comes up, and this is where the crowd goes crazy. Y'all got it? That's what water baptism is. It is that simple. Everybody's celebrating. It's a beautiful, beautiful moment. Terry, we're so proud of you for being water baptized today. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it so much. That's what water baptism is, and it is such a significant moment in a person's lives because, you know, we, we all know you, you start this thing with prayer. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I dedicate my life to you. I'm going to follow you. But this is one of the key steps of following Jesus because it identifies you publicly with him. Our faith in Jesus wasn't meant to be private. It was meant to be public. And water baptism is how you make it public to all the world. And so we are definitely looking forward to that. Again, thank you to all the people who helped out just now. You were, you were ace. You were excellent. So thank you so much. Give them a good hand right there. So we've been having a good weekend. My mom and dad are here. Give a hand to my parents. Wouldn't be here without them. And even Abigail's parents are here with us this weekend. Mr. Michael and Miss Sabrina, good to have y'all. I want to jump into the word today, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Today is Palm Sunday, just as Cynthia mentioned a few minutes ago. And um, today I got a message to share with you that is burning in my soul. That I really believe is going to speak some life to you today. Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it says, Christ is the visible likeness of the invisible God. He is the firstborn son. I want you to remember the word first today. Superior to all created things. For through him, God created everything in heaven and on earth, the seen and the unseen things, including spiritual powers. Lords, rulers, and authorities. God created the whole universe through him and for him. And Christ existed before all things, and in union with him, all things have their proper place. Read that again. And in union with him, all things have their proper place. He is the head of his body, the church. He is the source of the body's life. He is the firstborn son who was raised from death in order that he alone might have the first place in all things. Oh, when I read this, I thought like a sports fan. That he alone may have first place in all things. Don't you love it when your team is in first place, when your team finishes in first place. Can I tell you, Jesus started in first place and he carries on in first place. He didn't lose his place even though he went to the cross. He was still in first place even though he was on the cross. I'll say it like this. 
Jesus wasn't all over the place. He stayed in first place. Many people, their lives are all over the place because Jesus isn't in first place in their life. Verse 19, for it was by God's own decision that the Son has in himself the full nature of God. And through the Son then, God decided to bring the whole universe back to himself And God made peace through his son's blood on the cross. And so brought back to himself all things, say all things, both on earth and in heaven. Watch this, verse 21. At one time, you were far away from God and were his enemies because of the evil things you did and thought. But now, say but now. Uh, But now, by means of the physical death of his son, God has made you his friends. Y'all remember week one of following Jesus? It's a relationship. And imagine if he was your best friend. It would change the way you pray. It would change the way you live. But now, by the means of physical death of his son, God has made you his friends. In order to bring you holy, pure, and faultless into his presence. Isn't that a great scripture today? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you that we have this opportunity as a church to worship you together on this Palm Sunday. Thank you that your presence is in this room. We sense it. Your word confirms it, that you inhabit the praises of your people. And Lord, our prayer is that We would not just hear a message preached by a man, but we would hear a word spoken from you today to our very hearts. Holy Spirit, come and speak something that we need to hear that will awaken our faith to believe you, to trust you, God, like we have never trusted you before. And let all the chains, all the worries, all the doubts fall off of us today like leaves falling from a tree. Father, let us grow into who you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's recap our series, Following Jesus. We started with following Jesus is a relationship, and we started by talking about one of the descriptions given to Jesus that he is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He wasn't just God in heaven, but he came down to earth so that he could be God with us to set up this relationship. And discipleship, following Jesus, is all about a relationship with him. If it's just about principles, we miss the point. It's this relationship that we share with him. And then in week two, Benjamin, he spoke this message about following Jesus is discipleship. And this is one of the points he said, and I love it. He didn't just come to die, but he came to show us how to live. He came to show us, not just tell us, but to show us. Aren't you thankful that he loves you enough that he's not just telling you off, but he's setting you up by showing you how to live this life on earth. That's what discipleship is, and it is in the context of a relationship. He wants you to make it is what I'm telling you. Did you ever think of it that way, that he really, really wants you to make it? In fact, let me say this. Did you know that God wants you in heaven? 
So many people think that God is just in the business of sending people to hell. But I want you to know that people take care of that themselves. God is in the business of getting you to heaven. He wants you in heaven. Amen? Amen. So we got relationship. Following Jesus is a relationship. Following Jesus is discipleship. And then we said following Jesus is an apprenticeship, meaning this, that Jesus gives us a part in his ministry. And what he is doing, he allows you and I to have a part in touching other people's lives with the very thing that touched our lives. It's so incredible to think that Jesus says, as powerful as I am, I want to give you a part in that power so that it can touch other people's lives. How incredible that Jesus says, I will include you in what I'm doing. Discipleship, apprenticeship. And then last week we said following Jesus is leadership. That means Jesus is the Lord of my life. He is not just my friend, but he is my Lord. He is in authority. And because he is in authority in my life, I now have some authority. Amen? And some of the things that you want authority over, you can't just say, Jesus is my best friend. Jesus is my best friend. Let me talk to you like a best friend. You got to go to him as Lord and have some authority over those things that have been holding you back. Okay? So today, it's considered Palm Sunday. And uh, on this Palm Sunday, I'm going to present a message entitled, Following Jesus to the Championship. Following Jesus to the championship. Look at your neighbor and say, first place. First place. I'm going to be in first place. So it's Palm Sunday, which kicks off Holy Week. And this is the week that is leading up to the crucifixion of Jesus. And um, there's a lot of events that occurred during Holy Week. And I think whenever you really sit and look through what happened to Jesus, what was going on during that week, I think we would all conclude by saying, it's been a week. Anybody ever had one of those? Where it's been a week, and uh, we've all been in that place where it's been a week, but I think Holy Week was a whole nother level of it's been a week. And it starts out with Jesus triumphantly coming into the city of Jerusalem and the people are welcoming him and they're throwing the palm leaves on the roadway as he comes in and they're taking off their cloaks and throwing it on the road and Jesus is riding on the back of a donkey which represents his humility but the people are, are, are literally, they're, they're introducing him into the city as a king. And it's not like Jesus was walking around touting that he was a king. It was the people saw his authority and they began to proclaim him as a king. And so they gave him a king's entrance into the city and they're singing Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And that was pretty much the best part of the week because from there things went downhill. Because this is where the events began to unfold that would bring Jesus ultimately to the crucifixion. And I want to give you just a few brief highlights, or I guess you would call them lowlights, of the week that Jesus had. And maybe you've been having a rough week, and perhaps you, you can see a little perspective of how Jesus handled it. Yeah, it starts triumphantly, but then a couple days later, one of his followers, one of the guys in the inner circle, one of the 12, who was trusted with the finances of his ministry, Judas, was behind the scenes negotiating a price to betray Jesus. 
It's been a week. Um, so Judas betrays him. Give it a few days later, his main man, Peter. I know at the time they couldn't say it, but we look at it. We see it. He was the main man. Denies even knowing him publicly. Think of that. Denies even knowing him. It's been a week. Uh, before we get to the physical agony of it, I just want to start out with the emotional pain that Jesus is already experiencing. Before we even get to the crucifixion, because when you have people that close to you that betray you and deny you, that's a heavy, heavy burden to carry. Are, are you seeing this already? And, and I'm not meaning to take this to a serious place, but if we're not careful with familiar stories like the, the crucifixion of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, even the birth of Jesus, we just gloss over it with all of the cute little stories that we've heard, and we don't see the magnitude of what was experienced there. And to look at this story through this lens, you've got to feel the weight already on Jesus. And we haven't even made it to the garden yet when he's about to be arrested. Things are already occurring that is weighing heavy on his spirit, that has to be weighing heavy on his mind. And so ultimately, he gets to the point to where he is now being wrongfully accused, and he is now brought in to stand trial with religious leaders. He was arrested in a garden while he was praying. And by the way, while he was praying, I, we can tell that things were getting intense for Jesus because in his prayer time, he was sweating intensely and it went from sweat to drops of blood. I want you to know that is not a good day. It's been a week. This is what Jesus is experiencing. And then he stands trial before these religious leaders. And they're just hurling accusations at him that were so inaccurate, that were so wrong. And ultimately, it, laid, it leads him to standing before a Roman governor named Pilate who questions him. And asking him all these pointed questions. And Jesus just stands there taking the, uh, the accusations, taking the questions, and just handling them with such grace. Because he had the power to say, I don't need this. You've been there before when it was that week. You know what I'm saying? I don't need this. I got options. Jesus didn't give himself the option because when he was in the garden praying, Father, if there is another way, can we go that way? But if we can't, not my will. But yours be done. It was decided before he even got there. He decided before he got to the place where he was in the test, when he was in the trial, when he was in the accusations. He decided before then, not my will, but yours be done. And then Pilate comes up with the brilliant idea to let the people decide. Washes his hand of it and says, you decide. And they begin to chant, crucify him. I just wonder how many were there on Palm Sunday throwing the palms down in the street and taking the cloak off and welcoming him in as a king. And by the time we're getting to Friday, they're saying, crucify him, crucify him. It's been a week. 
Isn't it something that we could start a week in church? And man, I'm feeling it this week. They played my song. They played my song. You know, like when we play Graves to Gardens, it's like, bah, 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 bah. like, it's like they played my song. Don't mess with me this week. And then by Tuesday, it's like, leave me alone. And you too, Jesus. I don't know you right now. Leave me alone. I got some things I want to say to some people. And if you're around, I can't say it. Am I right? <laughs> got some things I want to do to some people. And if you see it, you might send me somewhere. And I don't want to go there, but I got some things to take care of. It was a week for Jesus. The crowd decided, crucify him. And there was a statement that was made that I think is so powerful. He said, let his blood be upon us and our children. And they didn't know what they were saying. Because that sounds so graphic. It sounds so violent. But it's the blood of Jesus that covers us and washes away all of our sins so that when God sees us, he sees the righteousness of Jesus instead of the messiness of our sins. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Here's the first thing I want to say today. Following Jesus means I will walk through some things. Following Jesus means I will walk through some things, but I'm going somewhere. I will walk through some things, but I'm going somewhere. If Jesus walked through some things, so will we. But the question is, will I continue to follow him no matter what I walk through? Will I continue to follow him even when something comes up that looks like it may even be a better option? Even though I'm afraid that I may miss out on something by following Jesus, I still will continue to follow him no matter what. So when we hear following him, often we think where to, but what about what through? Often we think about Jesus, where are you taking me? Take me somewhere fun, take me somewhere good. And it's not just where he wants to take you, it's what he wants to bring you through. Because when it's been a week, you're not thinking about where you're going, you're just thinking about what I got to get through. And we say it like this, if I could just get to Friday. If I could just get to Friday, because it's been a week, I just need to get to Friday, Friday at 5 o'clock, if I could just get there. And what are you saying? I need to get through this. And what I've learned is he will take you places that you never thought you would go and bring you through what you never thought you would make it through. And many of us, we have stories what God has brought you through. And you look back and you're like, I'm not quite sure how we did it. But if it wasn't for the grace of God, I would be so messed up right now. But God brought me through it. It was messy. It was ugly. It looked a lot like Holy Week because there were those people that were dropping out of my life. There were other people that were saying things. And I went through all kinds of hell, but he brought me through it. He brought me through it. Many of the disciples, think of this, they struggled to follow Jesus through Holy Week. And these are the guys that are like right there with him. I, I don't know about you, but I have a little bit higher expectations for those guys. Am I right? Like, come on, man. 
you're walking with Jesus every day, like y'all fist bumping on a daily basis. And here we are in church reaching to try to fist bump the dude, and they're like getting fist bumps every day. And it's like, how, how do you, anybody feel it? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I just feel like my expectations are higher, but then I remember, wait a minute, I could be one of those guys. And how would I react walking through a week like Holy Week? I'd probably be scared too. I look back over the last couple of years with all of our excitement in our faith. There was a lot of people in the faith who got really scared. And just like the disciples scattered, a lot of people scattered in the last couple of years. Because it shakes you to your core. They felt like they were losing Jesus. This is what they felt like. They felt like they were losing Jesus to a religious, political system. That's what they felt like. These religious people are trying to kickstart this thing. And they got the, 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 the politicians involved in it. Not that that's happening in our world today. But they felt like they were losing Jesus because of it. And there's a lot of people feel like we're losing Jesus today because of what's happening in our religious and political systems. But I want you to know Jesus isn't going anywhere. Amen. Amen. He's still the rock. And he's still in first place. And even though they think they're in first place and there are other teams that have claimed to have won national championships and they never did. And if you went to that school, I'm sorry. But you weren't in first place. Anyway, mm. Palm Sunday was that day, man. It was so great. But then to see him praying with drops of blood pouring out of his forehead and the weight of what he was walking through, this is where you realize this is different than all these other religious teachers that have come throughout history. They had a lot to say, but could they show us what he was showing us in these moments? Who would ever think that Jesus would have his main, one of his main guys betray him? Like, you would never think that Jesus, one of his main team members, would betray him because Jesus is the ultimate leader and he doesn't make mistakes. So surely he's got a better leadership structure than to bring a guy on his team. I mean, he's God. He knows everything about him. And he still brought him on his team. And surely Jesus wouldn't have that main guy deny him because, again, Jesus is the ultimate leader. We need to check out Jesus' HR operations because he needs to do a little bit better with picking his team members. But that's where we realize I probably wouldn't make the team. So when you look at this, you realize, wait, it's, it's probably good that he picked those guys because he probably wouldn't pick me. And he does choose you. He does pick you. But I want you to see that everything they were experiencing and walking through was actually going somewhere. And if you're not careful, you just think about everything that has happened to you instead of seeing what's happening with you. And in this story, it's easy to just look at everything that was happening to Jesus and feel a lot of empathy and feel sorry for the disciples because they have to walk through this. But when you step back and see the big picture, you start to realize, wait a minute, this is going somewhere. This is leading up to something that had 
to happen. It was leading up, it was setting up so much of what God wanted to do. I don't really like the process. I have to be honest with you. I don't care for the process, but I love what happened as a result of the process because it's affected my life and your life and generation after generation after generation before us and after us and for all eternity. Every, all of these events set up something so significant that it would change lives forever. Following Jesus is walking through some things because he's taking us somewhere. So I begin to think this, as tough as the week was going, how did Jesus handle this? Like, how is Jesus taking on a week where it's like one thing after another, one thing after another that's occurring that is just, I mean, it just keeps taking you out one blow after the next, after the next. And I think he was able to handle it because he knew it was all part of the plan. He knew this was part of God's plans. And so many of the things that occurred had to happen to fulfill the plan that God had to bring salvation and redemption to mankind. All of those events had to occur. They were already spoken in scripture. They were already prophesied. And Jesus knew that it was already mentioned. It was already written. It was already spoken. So it did not surprise him whenever these troubles came. He expected it to come. And he knew that God would use these as the very vehicle to get him to the place where he would ultimately fulfill the purpose that he was sent here for. The crowd on Palm Sunday chanting, crucify him. It had to happen. I don't like that it happened that way, but it had to happen. The betrayal, it had to happen. The trial, the accusations, they had to happen. The beating where, where Jesus is taking the lashes from this whip 39 times. As graphic as it is, it had to happen. The crown of thorns, it had to happen because it was all setting up the cross, which was God's plan from the foundations of the earth. It was his plan from the foundation. The lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth to bring salvation and redemption to all mankind. And Jesus is announced as the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And he knew he would have to suffer because it was part of the plan. And so many of us, we operate better when there's a plan. Can I hear an amen? And he knew it was a part of, a part of the plan. And so it was like, all right, what's next? Let's take care of this. Let's take care of that because we're going somewhere and maybe you've been walking through a few of those it's been a week it's been a week but it's going somewhere and if you will just keep following Jesus you're going to go places you never thought you would go and tell stories you never thought you would tell he's taking you somewhere but he may bring you through some places you didn't want to go he went through some things to get to the thing he was here for he went through it to get to that place. And you may go through some things to get to the things that God has put you here for. The struggles, the pain, the brokenness. What if God used it to get you to where you were supposed to be? And can I just say again, I don't like it. 
I don't like it. It's easy to preach it in faith, but it's so hard to live it. So why? Why do it that way? Because he knew you would walk through it. For him to be the Lord, he's got to be able to lead you through it. And what he experienced sets him up to be the Lord to lead you through all that you have experienced. And watch this. It was ultimately leading to the cross. And I'm going to get ahead of myself in this message. But it looks like defeat. All along it was victory. So many look at the cross and see defeat. But when you look at the cross through this lens, you realize all along Jesus was winning. Here's the second thing. Following Jesus means I will follow Jesus to the cross. That's what it means. I will follow Jesus to the cross. It's not a picture of death. It's a picture of victory. It's a statement of victory. So we see Holy Week as crucifixion week, but actually it was championship week. It was championship week. See, the cross looks bloody to those who are lost, but to those who are being saved, it's beautiful. Most people look at the story and they consider Jesus as the underdog. But friends, I want you to know today, Jesus was not an underdog. He never lost sovereignty. He never lost control. He was always Lord. How can he be the underdog when he willfully took it on? How can he be considered even at a loss whenever he was saying, let's keep going? This is where you begin to see how dedicated Jesus was, not just to God the Father, but how dedicated he was to you and I. Think of that. And it went on because even when he was on the cross, what did they say? You saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Call the angels to come and take you down. And Jesus didn't come down from the cross, but he had the option, but he stayed for you and me. He stayed. He stayed there for you and me. It was just following the plan. The pain was part of the plan. And without the suffering, he couldn't be the Savior. Think of that. Without the suffering of Jesus, he cannot be the Savior. And it was part of the plan that God had to save and redeem the sinner. And watch this verse in Hebrews 12, verse 2. I don't think they got it on the screen, but I want you to hear this. Hebrews 12, 2 says that the cross was the joy set before him. How can that be? Something so horrific after it's been a week. But it led to this point of crucifixion and Jesus considering it the joy set before him. I mean, that's a positive outlook, Jesus. And I ain't there yet. <laughs> Amen. That is very positive of you. But he knew the plan 
And he knew if we get to the cross, I can take care of the division between God and man because of sin that has entered the world. And once and for all, we can bridge the gap between man and God and we can bring them back together. I will take it on because I'm in first place and I am a champion and I can win this battle for you because you do not need to be separated from God. He wanted you to be in relationship. So he said, I'll take the pain. It's worth it. Gosh, he did it for us. So let me say it this way. He went to the cross to defeat the things that have been defeating you. He already won the battles. But he knew you haven't yet. And you needed someone to show you that it's already been won. And so when he goes to the cross, it looks like defeat, but it's not defeat, my friends. It was the plan of overcoming this so that you and I could overcome it too. And so all of the sin, all of the addiction, all of the bad habits, the stupid mistakes, the bad decisions, the worries, the anxieties, all of it, Jesus takes it all upon himself so that he could lift it off of you. So when he says, cast all your cares upon me, cast all your cares upon me, it's a picture of the cross. And he's showing you, this is what I do. I lift a heavy burden so that you can walk free. He took it upon himself. All of the weight, all of the heaviness, all of the pain. He took it all upon himself so that you and I, we could be free. Who loves you like that? All of the wounds, all of the blood that was shed, it wasn't a sign of weakness. It was winning. He was actually winning the whole time. Let his blood be on us and our children. The blood was the plan all along to cover every one of our sins. That was the plan. To cover us. So it's the blood that covers our sins. And watch this. It's the wounds that heal our diseases. It had to happen. Are you seeing this? It's, it, it's like it's coming alive. So Galatians 2 verse 20. This is where we get into the story. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me and the life I now live. That's that's huge. The life I now live. I used to be. How many of y'all got a used to be story? I used to be. But the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Simply, he gave his life for me. I give my life for him. It's a great exchange. He gave his life for me. I give my life for him. I trust him. I follow him. And if I follow him, I can win in every area. If I follow him, if I keep following him, I can win in every area because Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. So not only is he the champion in first place, but he makes us champions. And a lot of people are choosing to live like a chump. Because they think they could do it without Jesus. You were meant to be a champion. 
God, yes, yes. You were meant to be a champion. You were meant to overcome that struggle. You were meant to overcome that addiction. You were meant to get past that anxiety. You were meant to rejoice even in the middle of a storm. You were meant to get past it. You were meant to get through it. He's already made the way. So in order to follow Jesus, number one, you must surrender. Jesus, I say yes to you. Remember, the disciples scattered. But will you stay? Jesus, I surrender. I say yes to you over and over and over. Remember week two when we were talking about discipleship and Benjamin was talking about uh, overcoming temptation? And he said part of overcoming temptation is just keep saying yes to Jesus. Keep saying yes to Jesus. Just keep saying yes. You must surrender. Keep saying yes. Number two, you must sacrifice. This is where it gets hard. This is where we're challenged because we like gifts. (laughs) We like the give me Jesus. Not the go get it, Jesus. You must sacrifice, meaning this. Jesus, I will lay that down for you. And y'all know what that is. Jesus, I will lay it down for you. Yeah, I know, I know all the, the, the background preachers, the Monday morning quarterback preachers out there are saying, you got to lay it all down, Pastor. I know. But we lay all, we, we, I'll lay it all down, but, and that's the part. Will you lay it down today? The bad habit that you just have continued to try to pretty up with God's grace because other people do it, and it's not that bad. But you know it, that's it for you. You know that's it. But because somebody else may do it, you feel like you have license to do it too. Because they're a Christian. And I'm, I'm just presenting it today. Because you can't overcome what you don't lay down. can't overcome what you are not willing to lay down. And there's a lot of things that we're carrying that you were never meant to carry. And Jesus on the cross was meant to carry it. And at some point, you're going to have to say, Jesus, I give you my anxiety. Jesus, I give you this addiction. I'm giving it to you. I'm still struggling with it, but I'm giving it to you. Come on. That habit that I've lived by for so long, I'm giving it to you. You know that habit that helps you make it through the week that ain't supposed to be the thing that helps you make it through the week, but you got to have it to make it through the week that you have depended on for years and years. And I know it's not gross sin, but what if it's the sin that keeps you from overcoming some things in your life? Now it's gross because now you're sitting there saying, I wish I would have known. Well, now you know. Am I willing to lay it down? Here's number three. In order to follow Jesus, you must keep stepping. 
Jesus, I will keep following you no matter what. I will keep following you no matter what. Sometimes I don't even feel it, but I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to throw my hands in the air on that worship song, and I ain't feeling it today, but I know I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. I don't have all the feels, but I got the faith, and I'm going to worship you in spirit and in truth. And by the time we get to the end of the worship set, you're ready to prophesy over people. It's something about faithfulness. Church, listen to me. There is something about faithfulness that makes the difference because it was the faithfulness of Jesus that keeps us coming back over and over. That's why even the worst sinner, when they're in trouble, they call out to the all-faithful one because they know he'll be there. Oh, they know he's there. They know they can. Why? Because he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. They understand that he was sent for relationship. And they need the relationship. And it's somehow sometimes you don't hear from people till they're in trouble. And he still answers. Some of us, we ain't that good. Oh, look at them. Now they want to call. Yeah, now they want to call. Yeah, they, they probably want some money. You ever did that before? Jesus, we loan we loan bills this way. I need some money. I need Jesus, my provider, Jehovah Jireh. And it's like, where you been? Where have you been for the last six months? Where you been? Come on. You must keep stepping. Faithfulness is the key to victory. Now, gosh, I've been waiting to get to this point right here. Because there's people in this room today that feels like there are some things that they cannot overcome. I know. Perhaps you've been fighting this battle for a while. Perhaps it's been years that you've been struggling with this. And this is what we do. We manage it. We just learn how to manage it. That's it. But when you hear a message like this, that God meant for us to be overcomers, God meant for us to be champions, puts us in a place where we feel disconnected and our minds begin to work. And maybe your mind doesn't work like mine, but what mine begins to tell me is, see, he's punishing you for all them times. I mean, am I the only one that ever had that thought? Oh, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Isn't it crazy how Bible verses pop up in moments of condemnation? Can I just slide this in here? Even the devil can quote Bible verses, but he takes them out of context every single time and twists them and manipulates you to bring you away from God when the word of God was meant to bring you to him. thoughts that this is just how it is now this is my lot in life I just gotta hang in there come on you, you know the thoughts you've had them faithfulness is the key to victory and you may feel like you can't overcome it but just keep going because you can outlast it That's a word for somebody here today. 
You may not feel like you can overcome it. Keep going. Keep stepping. Keep following Jesus. And you will outlast it. And you said, but pastor, if you've known how many times I have tried and I have fallen, how many times I bowed up to this thing and it punched me right in the mouth and I was back down again. I'm so thankful that the word of God says, though a righteous man stumbles six times, seven times, what does he do? He gets up again. Why? Because he's a champion. And you may knock me down, but you ain't knocking me out. Because I'm fighting on a winning team. And victory was already paid for on the cross. I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. You don't know what team I'm running with. We're in first place all the time. This is our legacy. This is who we are. This is what we do. And there are times where I don't feel like I'm worthy to be a part of this team. But then I see the big picture that he loved me so much that he invited me. He called me. He chose me to be a part of this team. And I just put my faith and trust in him. And I keep believing him today. And I'm going to believe him tomorrow. And I may not feel it on Wednesday, but I'm going to believe it anyway. And I'm going to keep believing and keep believing and I thought this thing was going to take me out but I outlasted it I outlasted it the cross was not defeat for Jesus it was victory and when he said it is finished the clock hit zero 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 once again, the champion is declared. See, so many people think that the champion wasn't declared. Y'all remember that song by Carmen, The Champion? Y'all remember that one? Some of you are too young for that, but some of the throwback believers in here, the veterans in the faith, y'all remember Carmen? Ten. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nine. You know, you know a little countdown? Get you all jacked up, man. I'm telling you. Went to that Carmen concert with Cynthia as one of our first dates. Come on, we were in the Baton Rouge Centroplex. Bro, when they did the champion, I jumped up on my feet just like Rocky. I don't know. I, I said, I love you, Adrian. And I don't even know why. I just felt like I just won the fight. But I need you to know, friends, it wasn't the resurrection that was the victory. It was the cross. Come on, it was the cross. And the resurrection was just, you ain't seen nothing yet because I'm already the winner. All these people that are following me, they're winners now. And I've already defeated you, Satan. But now they're all going to defeat you. Come on, man. In order to follow Jesus, you must surrender. Surrender your life to him. You must sacrifice. There are things that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know. And right now the Holy Spirit's putting his finger on it, that you must lay down. Lord, I quit cussing a long time. No, 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 no. You know, maybe profanity is your thing, but that ain't all there is. There are some things you know it's time. I got to lay that down. And you must keep stepping, keep following, no matter what. When we started this series, I felt such a conviction about sharing this, this whole entire series with the church about following Jesus. Because we have reduced following Jesus and discipleship down to a workbook. And if I knew everything in the workbook, I'd be a better disciple. But I'll tell you this, you may not know everything in the workbook, 
but you know everything in the book works and you keep following it and keep following it and keep following it and keep following it and you start overcoming and you start out, outlasting a lot of things. Next thing you know, you realize I'm further along than I've ever been holding my little workbook under my arm. Now, I ain't putting down the workbook. I'm just telling you, sometimes you got to put the book down and get to work. That's what I'm saying. And Jesus was working, doing work. It's championship week. That's what this week is. It's championship week. What if this week was the week that you overcame that thing? What if this was the week that the miracle that you've been praying for happened? It's championship week is what I'm telling you. And when we get to Easter Sunday, we're not just praying and believing for the championship. We're celebrating the championship that has already been won. That's why I say following Jesus to the championship. Keep following. Keep following. You will get the victory. Everyone standing to their feet this morning. Man, that was a good word. Got me fired up, and I'm up here preaching it. Victory. Father, we don't always understand your ways. We don't always understand your plans. But we know that it's going somewhere, and it's setting up some things. We see it in this story with Jesus. But my prayer is that we can see it in our own lives, that some of those things that occurred in those moments, you use it to bring us to these places that we never thought we could go. And what seems like the lowest place can sometimes turn out to be the place where you work the most. God, my prayer for each of us is that we would continue to follow no matter what place we find ourselves in. But whatever place we're in, my prayer is that we would put you in first place. First place. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as your best friend. Maybe he has simply just been the religious figure that you've heard about for so many years of your life. But you realize that he's more than just a story. That he is your personal savior. That would save you from your sins, forgive you, turn your life around. And make you an overcomer. To overcome things that have been holding you down, holding you back for so long. If you're here today, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. Today could be the best day of your life. Perhaps you've lived a religious life trying to measure up. Trying to say all the right things. Trying to do all the things so that you measure up to a standard that perhaps others have set. But you realize today that it's about surrendering your life to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a prayer this morning, and today you can accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Would you pray this out loud, everyone together with me? Say, Dear Lord, thank you for loving me so much that you would send Jesus, your one and only Son,
to pay the price on the cross for my sins. He would take my punishment so that I could be forgiven. So today, I make the decision to put my faith and trust in Jesus as my Savior. And I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to wash me, and make me a new person. I make the decision now, and I surrender to you. I choose to live my life your way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. And amen and amen. And amen.